Welcome back into another edition of the Emerald Football Podcast. I'm back with Gabriel Ornelas. Gabe was in attendance for last night's uh, 31-24 Oregon victory over USC in the Pac-12 championship. Gabe, what was it like to be in attendance for a game of that magnitude without fans? Um, it was kind of strange. I mean, the Pac-12 has always had like troubles bringing in fans um, anyways, so... The cardboard cutouts were nice to see, at least, I guess, of the, few that, <laughs> right, yeah. um, of the few that there were. But, I mean, just walking into the stadium, you kind of get there. I got there around 3 o'clock, and uh, it was just really quiet. Like, it was just, you know, you're normally used to, like, the L.A. just hustle and bustle. And there's people just going all the time, and there's normally fans outside tailgating. But, I mean, just you're walking in, it's just the wind and then yourself, and that's it. And then there's some kind of people just, like, here and there walking in. And then, you know, you get to the press box, and you're just – staring at an empty stadium for about the next five to six hours. So um, it was pretty weird, but uh, I mean, it's always nice to kind of see um, the LA skyline when you're, when you're up there that high. So that was cool. But I mean, it's just been a weird year, you know, but like having to go cover a game for the first time and it being that, and it being such a big game for Oregon. um, And I guess really for both programs, which is what we'll get into in a minute, but um, you know, just nobody there. You can hear a lot of, the chipping like at each other that was going down on the um on the sideline and you know people talking so it was a really strange really strange experience yeah i mean you mentioned it <clears throat> excuse me the uh the pac-12 doesn't usually get many fans at these games mm-hmm. <laughs> but there's usually parents and whatnot and, yeah. and especially for a lot of these kids on oregon who they're from l.a and you mentioned the chipping, and like I'm saying, I'm sure that'll be a theme of what we talk about. Um, you, I'm sure you heard a lot of things that you normally oh, yeah. wouldn't hear. And I know in the, I think in the trophy presentation, there was they, there was several swear words that they weren't able to um, mute or cut out or anything like that. So that was pretty funny. Let's get More another than game. Several, though. yeah. This was a, several. <laughs> yeah, this was a, an upset win for Oregon. Um, USC was five and zero. They were thirteenth in the nation. Oregon was coming off back to back losses. I touched on it in the last podcast with Charlie and Daniel. We talked, look, it was supposed to be Washington. Then it was Colorado. Then all of a sudden it was USC. So both teams had to prepare for um, multiple programs. Cristobal said that Oregon had one player above the scholarship limit, which I think is 54, and they had 55 active players. Um, But it didn't matter. And this was a game that reminded me a lot of the Rose Bowl and that Oregon didn't do anything flashy offensively. Although, I mean, look, in the Rose Bowl, Herbert ran for three touchdowns. There was nothing like that tonight for Oregon offensively. It was just hard-nosed, forcing turnovers, playing good defense. And that's what we got to start with is this defense who much maligned for most of the year. They hadn't really been living up to expectations. They were talking their shit, but they weren't backing it up. Tonight, they were backing it up, and they were making sure that USC heard them after the play. Yeah, um, I think me and you were texting before, and we were kind of saying that the big – key matchup is between the quarterback play on the receivers versus that secondary because we've seen the secondary kind of get torched all year long and they've never really had a consistent outing where they've been like either just dominant or you know decent they've kind of just been always like just okay um and USC really wasted no time I mean the first play from scrimmage was a pass um which it didn't go anywhere but then just three plays into the game um Slovis throws a pass and he obviously didn't see a Lenore creeping right um, 
he didn't look he didn't look comfortable at all yeah no he he didn't and then um lenore picks it off and then within three plays oregon's ready up uh seven zip and that's six plays into the game so um not the start you wanted to see from usc or from slovis or really from anybody besides oregon um and the defense looked like they were getting going early. And it looked like, you know, like you said, um, last year where, you know, it takes a lot of the defense to get this team going. Um, so, yeah, not not the not the start that you wanted to see from the Trojans. Yeah, and this defense had the talent all year. That was pretty undeniable. But the thing was they lost all the leadership with the guys that opted out, with Troy Dye, with some of the defensive linemen that no one really talk about and talks about. Um, but but in this game, you see these guys who have been lauded as these leaders like Lenore, KT, some other people as well. Isaac Slade, they really stepped up. KT was given um, the, the game MVP, which I think is very fitting because usually you're expecting to be a quarterback or someone, and it was him. And I think he deserved it, but he mentioned that Jamal Hill deserved it, the sophomore defensive back from Georgia. Um, they both played great. KT was wrecking the pocket. Slovis was lucky he wasn't sacked more, I thought. He avoided probably three or four sacks that that could have um, hit home. And then you talked about the Diamondor Lenore interception. The following drive, Slovis, again, a lot of time, but he looked jittery in the pocket. He looked antsy. That's what I texted you last night. Um, and he threw his second pick to Jamal Hill, who later got another one, which we'll, we'll talk about. But Jamal Hill was everywhere. The defensive line stepped up and from the get-go, it seemed like I think most people thought Oregon could win this game and that it was going to start, you know, they'd have to get some turnovers, and it started early. Yeah, and, I mean, the second drive um, following the pick, um, USC, I think Slovis got sacked, like, deep in their own territory, and that kind of just was, like, putting a big just, like, um, emphasis on, like, what was going to come for the rest of the game because, like, Kayvon with the rest of the front was essentially just bullying around like USC for the first quarter and they couldn't get anything going. And I don't think it helped that he had to become a scrambling quarterback for a majority of the game. And that's kind of what stemmed those uh, three picks was that he had to move out of the pocket and he was right. getting just, and he, he made some plays hounded. out of the pocket. No, he yeah, did. he did. And he was getting just hounded the whole time by the defense. So it didn't help that he, was the only part of USC's offense last night because I think I wrote in my story that they ran the ball 28 times for only 34 yards, which essentially yeah. you don't have anything going on on um, on uh, that end. So he essentially had to carry the whole team last night, and that's hard to do when you have a defense that's just coming after you every single play. And, and Kayvon's on the field for almost every single play, and he's the guy that's kind of starting like that just chain reaction of, you know, pushing pushing back your offensive line making you scramble making you throw and throws making you throw interceptions and putting your team on their heels early on so within four to five drives they're already down 14 zip so i mean i think like i said the defense really set a tone and kind of a precedent to like what this game was going to be which is very just uh, reminiscent of last year's oregon team keaton slovis threw 52 passes he completed 28 of them 320 yards, ended with two touchdowns and, and three interceptions. He threw another one to Jamal Hill late, which was a crazy toe, toe tap on the sidelines yeah. um, when they were driving to tie the game in the final minutes. The thing is, you talked about those first two interceptions. The first one is a three-play 
And then, and then third on the third play, excuse me, it's interception. Oregon scores three plays, nine yards, touchdown. Then it's two punts, and then another interception, and then three plays, 32 yards for Oregon. They had some kind of unexpected wrinkles offensively, starting with Anthony Brown, the Boston College transfer quarterback who we hadn't seen at all this year. And he was he came into the program as a guy who was expecting to and did compete with Tyler Shuck. And we'll talk about Tyler Shuck because Tyler Shuck did not play well tonight. They bring Anthony Brown in for some short yardage situations. They also bring him in for that first touchdown where you don't have any film on him at Oregon. You know, he can run, but he, he's not necessarily just a, a runner. He has an arm and you see that at Boston college and he has kind of a, there's a little, I think they play action. He swings it out um, a, a nice touch pass to Jalen red for the first score. Um, and then later on, you know, on the second one, Tyler Shuck finds um, Hunter Campmore, I believe. Before we get too much more into the kind of the, the meat of this game, it wasn't only the defense early on, it was Tom Snee. Tom Snee was booming punts. I mean, every time it seemed like uh, USC was starting, you know, the 10, maybe the 15, you know, in their own territory. And I wonder if that had anything to do with Keaton Slovis looking a little bit antsy. They were starting drives so far back early on, and they just couldn't settle in, especially since their starting running back, like Oregon's with C.J. Burdell, uh, was out. Yeah, and I mean, being able to have that weapon where you can pin your opponent deep no matter where you're at on the field, I mean, gives you a huge just upper hand on where you want to start with the ball. So giving USC, like, or forcing USC to start with the ball in their own territory deep, that's not where you want to start as a football team. And early on, I was kind of writing that, you know, like when they would return kickoffs, which they return almost every single one, they were only like 15, 10 yard pops. So they weren't much when they were like getting a chance to run the ball out. So they chose to just run these balls out when they essentially were ready at their 10 or 15. And with, with the combination of Snee and then with the kickoff team, they, they, the kickoff they, team were great. They had a whole yeah, lot of kids. No. And then, and then they did great at not allowing USC to get really big runs. Cause that's kind of where they were trying to find their, I guess their juice from was being able to just get the ball out to midfield and kind of just start going. But they right, you have to, to be able to run the ball out of, out of your own territory when you're pinned back there. I mean, there was, there was one drive when Kayvon, pulled down Elijah Vera Tucker with one arm and then dove on Slovis, who I think it should have been intentional grounding. I can't remember what happened, but it would have been a safety because they're trying to throw out of their own end zone, essentially. Yeah. And then I guess if we're going to kind of stay focused on the first half, uh, like on the flip side of that, Oregon's defense essentially gave Oregon the first two scores because. Right. No question. Because Oregon's offense, when they were forced to go off of a kickoff from their own territory, looked terrible and they could not get anything going. Right. But when they had those first two drives, like we mentioned, they were essentially in their own 30. Yeah, you start and start in, in field goal range. Exactly. <laughs> Guaranteed so, you're comfortable. Yeah. So I think they ran like, I don't know, like six or seven plays to get 14 points. So yeah. they were so they were essentially gifted two touchdowns. And then outside of that, they really kind of just struggled like in the first two quarters um, with having to get the ball um, – into the end zone so that was kind of something that was um, interesting like you know like they pinned USC deep but then when they had a chance to kind of get their own drives going and kind of bury USC early on they really couldn't do that at all so it didn't it didn't feel necessarily fluky that Oregon yeah. had that lead 
but it also didn't feel sustainable. When I'm watching it, I'm thinking, yeah. all right, well, it's 14-0. And if you look at the swagger this defense is playing with, you've got to be a little bit invigorated. But at the same time, it's it's 14 points. And this is a USC team who has, what, three come-from-behind victories in the fourth quarter? Keaton yeah. Slovis was money all year in the fourth quarter. Um, yeah, but the special teams was huge. <clears throat> you saw Kale Millen, the fifth-string quarterback, <laughs> come down and blow someone up on the coverage team. Um JJ Greenfield, who number 24, he's a he's a safety, he hasn't gone on the field on defense, but Oregon fans, if they've been watching, he make he's made plays on special teams all year and he tips a, a punt. Uh, I can't remember when it was, but that was a big play. So there was special teams. And and, and Henry Cattleman hits a 40-yarder, which is a, a distance you never felt comfortable with Camden Lewis um kicking from. So there was a lot of contributors that you didn't expect. We talked about Anthony Brown. How about Sean Dollars? Yeah, Sean Dollars was kind of a surprise to everyone in the press box. I know everyone was tweeting about it. Um, and with CJ missing his kind of his first game ever, um, they had to figure out what to kind of do with the second guy. And Dollars a only lot of had... Tra- a lot of Travis die, some yeah. Cyrus, but mostly... And I think Dollars only had three less yards than Travis die, and Travis Dye's are starting running back. Yeah, so Travis died 55 yards and uh, Sean Dollars had 52 yards. On so I mean, as opposed to Troy, uh, not as opposed to Travis dies 11. Y- excuse me. Yeah. So, I mean, um, Chris Paul kind of talked about afterwards and he was like, when Sean dollars was kind of being the Wisconsin scout team last year for the Rose bowl, they kind of saw some pop in them and they were like, he was a shredding their defense. So mm-hmm. he was kind of waiting the off season. A ton yeah. too. So they were kind of waiting for it or for him to kind of just get his, his own steam going. But when you have like essentially three starting running backs, it's hard to get one guy going, but right. There with, wasn't any time for it, or especially with no blowout wins, there was no slot for him to kind of. Exactly. So I think last night was a good indication of where he can kind of go. And we kind of talked about it and, you know, he can, he can run, he can catch, he can block. He's still a little too small. I think, I think he needs to put some weight on, but I mean, besides He's that, he wick though. No, yeah. Lightning the bottle. He hits he hits holes really hard and really fast and you and you can kind of tell he was running with that oomph last night so he was a good spark for them and again giving USC a different look which I mean they probably didn't expect to see but but they saw and they had a hard time uh, containing him. He's he's fast like Travis Die, mm-hmm. but he is almost he almost looked like a better runner between the tackles at times and that's why I think he'll be probably a big factor for Oregon moving forward. I mean who knows if he'll play much in the bowl game but especially next year and. And that was weird because, you know, C.J. Verdell misses the game. We don't really know what it was, but he had been nicked up and not himself for the past few weeks. So I can't say that was entirely surprising. Um, let's yeah, move on to the second half. Yeah, it was uh, reported that it was a um, it was a um, hand injury. Right, right. It's kind, of, it's kind of what everyone He gets saying. nicked up all the time. It's his running he style. He does. Let's move to the second half. Um, it ends up being 21-14 by the time the first half is all said and done, which, like we're talking about, it doesn't, like, it never felt out of reach for USC early on. Mm-hmm. Um, they miss a field goal heading into the half, so it could have been 21-17. Yeah, that was that was, that was was a, a big flip for Oregon, yeah. I think. Because that... they had a lot of momentum going, because that was right yes. after Chuck had thrown the pit. Yeah, that was, uh, that was my point, is that they gifted USC pretty good field positioning and Chuck threw that errant pick, and it was a bad throw. Like, he threw it straight yeah, yeah, into coverage. Yeah, Mike wide open. Yeah. yeah, so I just think he just didn't, didn't, didn't see him and threw that pick. And then to end that quarter without giving up 
three extra points is a pretty good job for Oregon. So I think that essentially saved Oregon because they had a chance to score again um, at the start of the second half when they got the ball. And I believe they did. But yeah, um, that was that was the most impressive drive. 14 yeah. plays, 83 yards. I mean, the, one of the longest, if not the longest play in yard wise of the season for Oregon. Um, and it was a little bit of everything. It was some Travis Dye, um, Tyler Shuck on, I think what, I think it was third and maybe it was third down. He, he spins out of a sack um, and picks up some yardage, but we talked about the Shuck interception, which was clearly like one of those things where he, he saw the guy and he just, it was just an errant pass. Micah Pittman was deep beyond the secondary and it would have been a walk-in touchdown he throws it short I mean you see Micah Pittman puts his hands on his head by his ears like in frustration when Shuck throws it yeah they bring in they have a fourth and one around mid midfield at the Oregon 47 um and aggressively try to go for it I liked the call at the time they bring in Anthony Brown again and Anthony Brown We'll talk about moving forward about the quarterback battle, but he made good decisions all night. And on that fourth and one, it's a play action. Uh, he he pump fakes. He holds back and waits for DJ Johnson to get open. A real veteran move. It seems like an easy play, but I wonder if a little bit of that was them bringing him in in short yard situations where decision making is key. And he's a he's a veteran guy. Yeah, and it was kind of strange because like we just mentioned that was their longest drive longest. So like, as, so as far as plays going to drive and yards going to drive, that was their biggest drive they've had all, all season long. Right. Um, and we should and, say Anthony Brown caps it off with a nice touch pass to Travis. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, like you mentioned that touchdown doesn't happen if Shuck doesn't spin out of that third and third and long and get that ball like um, upfield. So his ability despite him not playing well to keep that drive alive was really key for Oregon. Yeah. Um, and then once they got down into the red zone, um, Chris Bald mentioned that they had kind of designed like red zone packages for him because right. he can run. He's a big kid um, and he can throw and he's been playing college football for four to five years already. So he knows what to do, but on that last so on those last two plays of the sequence, he almost throws a pick because he throws it straight to DJ Johnson and he's in between two um, USC defenders and he uh, botches the ball and drops it and it almost falls into someone's hands. And then when he throws the second over the top throw to, to die, I was paying attention to his body language and he kind of threw it over uh, the defense and kind of just like put his hands down and like he looked very just unenthused. And I don't know if that's just out of, frustration from the season or from the last play or just how he's feeling but i thought it was very strange i thought i didn't know i i know what you're talking about i didn't i didn't didn't jump out because i just felt like he i mean like i don't want to sound too cliche here but it takes a lot of poise and experience to come in you haven't seen the field all season i don't think he did he even did he even have a snap this whole season i don't think he did maybe Uh, came in once when shuck might have been banged up for one play and they might have just run it, but to come in in a game of that magnitude, and you're not just running like, like QB like, like draws on like a second down. Like you're running like fourth and one. You're running goal line stuff. Like these are big moments, and he didn't look phased by it. Again, I don't want to sound too cliche here because that's yeah, kind of no, like but I mean, you kind of have saying, to. But, yeah, yeah, and yeah. and and I mean, I I believe it was on that same drive where they're facing a fourth and I think one or two, and he kind of has. Um, 
like an RPO play, and he is able to kind of drag this defender all the way along until he's able to lob it over right. to Johnson, and he finds DJ Johnson. And that, again, keeps that drive alive. So I think the mix was the biggest drive we'd seen where, where, they've, where they've split snaps. But his body language is so, like, interesting to me because, you know, like you said, it's hard to go from being, a, a, you know, um, QB1 to QB2, and you're not seeing the field pretty much at all because Shuck, of course, has been there for – as a grad transfer years. too you come yeah, in of course and i think he's allowed to stay another year because of the eligibility stuff this year but who knows if he'll decide that i mean it might be this you don't want to come back for another year yeah. and then sit behind shuck or behind ty thompson who's going to come in after that i know we're going a little slow here after that kind of that drive that long drive that ended in the travis die uh four yard reception uh for a touchdown usc 12 play 63 yards field goal um, and then they do their onside kick, which was something in the moment where I'm like, well, that was a great move from USC. Obviously, it's great because it works, but they totally caught Oregon off guard, but they couldn't capitalize. Then it was three plays, uh, and then that's when Kayvon got his big sack for nine yards. So that blew that, blew that kind of drive up, and then Oregon comes back, 11 plays, 58 yards, and a field goal, and now it's 31-17. Um, and that's when it kind of gets to, I guess, nut crunching time, USC <laughs> – down two touchdowns they've been there before slovis turns it on they get the 12 plays 60 yard drive um and they're starting to hit their you know the running game really never picked up but they're starting to hit the like brew mccoy had two really big catches um, yeah he was yeah he, he was he was pretty big last night um i thought it was going to be saint brown i thought it was going to be the other two guys that their names are not um coming right now but i mean drake london and tyler vaughn yeah I mean, Drake London seemed like he caught a thousand passes last night, but he didn't. Um, and Brew McCoy came up big for them, as we're gonna probably. Uh, yeah, Brew McCoy six six for seventy six and a yeah. touchdown. Yeah, and then I mean, as we're probably gonna um, just get into right now, but I mean, he caught that touchdown where there was like six sixteen left in the game, mm-hmm. and then it ended up being um, USC down by seven, and this is in the fourth quarter. So I think he came up big for them, but he also dropped a huge pass that was that was deep to him and he was going to be in the 10 15 yard line and it slipped right through his hands he was oh, quite right. Open. That's right. I, I was thinking that was drake london but that was him that's oh, right yeah. that was early on yeah 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 i mean it was you you mentioned drake london he had eight for 75 amon ross and brown five for 74 so they spread it around to their their main three guys vaughn's was quiet um, but it's just such a shock you look at those numbers and then you come and look at Oregon receiving their leading receiver. It's tough, yeah. DJ Johnson, two receptions for 27 yards. Mm-hmm. The, the, the offensive stats in this game, like, again, it's why it's such a character win. And I think Cristobal's got to be happy in the way they pulled this one out because Tyler Shuck, eight for 15, 91 yards. They got the Anthony Brown, but he only threw set for 17 yeah, yards. I know there were touchdowns. Yeah. They rushed for 135, but – I mean, you look at just the receiving, like you, this is one of those games you hear this all the time. Like, well, if you look at the box score, you don't know how they won. And you, you literally do not. I mean, it's the interceptions and the the special teams that really flip this game. Yeah. And it's been kind of the same narrative all year. Like Oregon's just found a way to win. Like when they do win, they, yeah. And they've essentially been beat up every single game where they've like been out rushed, been out, been out passed, been outplayed, but they just find a way to win at the end of the game. So this was another Oregon 2021, if that's what we want to call it. Um, 
and their ability as we're going to get into probably right now is just being able to just kind of lock down at the end and just kind of play football and that's what they did in the um on those last two three drives yeah they get the i mean you know oregon <laughs> after that Bru mccoy touchdown it's 31 24 um with a few minutes left three plays one yard punt i mean it was just really uh and it's and it's it was just shocking. Held, they held back with the play yeah calling. And it's and it's shocking because they're not a stagnant offense. Like they're the best offense in the Pac-12. Right. Like, they, I mean, they enter the game almost 600 yards of offense per game. I know the Cal game was not great, but and this USC defense isn't too special. So you see this conservative play calling, and then the next drive, which is the big play of the game, Keaton Slovis. They're they're marching a little bit. They get up to the Oregon 38, and he tries to throw the ball away, and Jamal Hill barely gets his foot down on the sideline when the ball was in his hands. It didn't look like it in real time for sure, but they, they challenge it slow motion, uh, but it's, it's ruled an interception. And even though Oregon goes five plays, nine yards and another punt after that, um, there was just not enough time for, for USC. Yeah. And it looked like USC was going to score. They were kind of going down the field slowly, but like surely. It, it? Um, and it was funny because after the pick happened, well, after the pass happened, they didn't, they didn't know. Um, so Jamal Hill went back onto the field, sat down um, and was cramping. And you can hear the whole entire, like, it was, it was funny because you, you hear the entire Trojan sidelines just saying quack, 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 like the whole time, like, like um, <laughs> to Hill. And then finally he like, he like gets up, and he starts to walk back towards the Oregon sideline. And he finally hears the news that, you know, he got the interception. So he turns back to the USC sideline and, like, does some, like, motion. And they all just start, like, laughing. So yeah. then, like, the entire Oregon sideline is going nuts. And then um, USC just looks completely just like they just got, like, their soul just, like, taken from them. So that was that was funny. But, I mean, the ability to – tip the ball essentially back to yourself and just drag your toe with less than a, f- a foot of, of space was uh, pretty incredible. But really athletic interceptions from yeah. Jamal Hill. The first one was diving backwards. And we talked about dollars being hyped up a lot in the off season. So is Jamal Hill. His, I mean, they, I mean, his teammates and coaches talked profusely about his playmaking and it showed up when it mattered big. And I think for me, you wrote a game where I was thinking about writing a sidebar piece. I haven't got around to that yet, but for me, the story of the game was these kind of, I mean, first of all, the defense got their swagger back, but mm-hmm. that there was kind of these, the stars of the game weren't necessarily who you would have thought. Obviously you had some big name guys making plays like KT and Diamador and, and whatnot, but it was these kind of unheralded guys that really pushed Oregon over the edge. Um, Oregon now finishes four and two. They've won the conference for the second time in two years, back to back. And they're going to play in what looks like the Fiesta Bowl. Um, Do we have any idea who they might play, Gabe? I believe it's going to be Indiana. I believe, barring uh, catastrophe for the Buckeyes today, I believe it's going to be Indiana. Um, I believe it's your highest seeded Big 12 team and then your Pac-12 champion, I believe is what it would be. Yeah, um, Big Ten team, but I mean the there there is talks of the Rose Bowl falling through for a playoff destination. So, right. so, so if that happens, then it would obviously be the Rose Bowl for Oregon again. Um, 
But I mean, either way, falling into their laps yet again. Exactly. I mean, somehow, some way. Yeah, and I mean, if you want to get into it, like either way, Oregon, despite a season where they've looked just dead in the water, which is kind of what I wrote last week um, or this week, is that they've just like they were stuck in the mud after Oregon State, after Cal, they didn't, they didn't look like a good football team, a team that was kind of just reeling and just ready for the season to be over with. And now they're Pac-12 champions for the second time in two years and going to go to a New Year's Six Bowl, which is never easy to do. And those are kind of all the big bowls that you want to go to. And now they're back again. So, I mean, everybody's been kind of riding, you know, um, USC's played three games in 13 days. Oregon's had a week off. They haven't had the players. Right. There's the games. excuses everywhere, but no but, one I mean, remember any of this stuff. Yeah. But I mean, it's not their fault that Washington fell through. Like that's not, right. that's, that's not, that's not on them. And ultimately um, you would imagine that COVID is something you you have some control over, right? It's true. It's true. So, and they've, I mean, Washington's had essentially two weeks to get a squad of just 53 scholarship players together. And they've, haven't been able to do that. Um, there's been a lot of uh, stories coming out that they haven't even been able to fill like an offensive line or things like that. So it's been a it's been a fascinating two weeks for Oregon as far as okay Washington this week never mind Colorado this week never mind okay is it going to be USC this week yes so um, Chris Moore kind of talked about it you know it's been a it's been a crazy week for them I mean his contract finally gets extended they prepare right. for yeah. three teams in two weeks they don't know who they're going to practice for. So they kind of start to like split the difference um, between the two teams and now they're Pactual champions. So, I mean, it's been tough for Oregon, just like it's been tough for the rest of college football and these teams to kind of have a set team that they're going to play this week. But we're here. It's done with their, their Pactual champions. Uh, John Canzano wrote that Cristobal got an extension and a Gatorade bath in the same week. Um, it's been a wild end to Oregon's, I guess, regular season they still have a game like we said and in indiana they lost their kind of star quarterback for the season but indiana is so good they're i mean he's great but they're still a good team yeah um so that'll be a game that will challenge uh this team and i think it's good that they get to play big 10 teams back to back hypothetically assuming it's indiana because big 10 teams are the kind of punch you in the mouth teams kind of like that some of the sec programs and wisconsin did Right. Cristobal's got to love that this is like this is the type of team that they're facing because it builds character. I'll leave you with this hypothetical. Um, Tyler Shuck had moments earlier in the season, but he also had moments of kind of underclassmen ineptitude and poor decision making all year. It almost really, really bit the ducks in the ass in this game. Um, they they had the Anthony Brown wrinkle. I would imagine Anthony Brown's definitely going to play a little bit in those situations. If you're a crystal ball, are you are, are you at all considering Anthony Brown as just a flat out starter to start next week? Look, he didn't show much in terms of throwing past the sticks at all. He had a few nice touch passes. Um, but the, the veteran poise was very clear. Yeah. It's hard to kind of give you a definitive yes, but I'm leaning more towards yes. Um, I feel like Shuck had the chance to catch the defense off guard a couple of times and he didn't capitalize on that. Like he had those like claps where it wasn't like, you know, like, uh, um, like a snap, it was more just kind of, they were dumping all game. Yeah. And, and, and he didn't just have that ability to snap the ball. He missed kind of mesh plays and he dropped some 
and he kind of right. missed he almost, he almost he recovered it, but he fumbled on a on a on a RPL play. Yeah. Yeah, and he and he missed a lot of key passes where you can just throw underneath, where you can throw deep, and he didn't have that ability to throw deep. And I mean, Tyler Tyler Shuck has played pretty well all season. Like he's been able to throw the long ball, he's been able to run, he's been able to kind of run the RPO offense. And this, and then last night he just didn't show up. And I don't know if that was just jitters or if he was just nervous or if that defense was, was, was really giving him good looks, like you said. Um, but I mean, if you're going to have a chance at a, at a, at a new year's six bowl and a chance to win after what's been going on this season, you gotta, you, you gotta throw everything you can at whoever that team is. Um, I agree. I think and, give him a chance. And I mean, if you give Brown a chance, I feel like he'll do pretty solid for you. I mean, the I mean, the chance he was given last night was was pretty good. Um, outside of the drive where they stalled and they only went like four or five plays, um, but like you said, he has poise. He's played football for a long time now, and he has a chance to kind of, you know, put his put his uh put his uh foot in things, and and he it can kind of give this Oregon team a boost. And now that Indiana yeah. or whoever knows it's coming at them, maybe they might be able to like kind of um, prepare for him, but who knows, you know, man, it's, it's been a, it's been a weird season with a lot of different things. So I guess yeah. we'll kind of just see what happens on January 2nd. I guess I would go on to compare it to like, if anyone watches the NFL, Jalen Hurts comes in for Carson Wentz last week and they beat this, this great Saints team where it's, it's yes, the, the the other guy is playing well, but the whole team looks energized and invigorated for this new player. It's a new face. And I, I think I don't think anyone like it's not like an anti-Tyler Shuck thing, but you mentioned last night that you didn't think the coaching staff trusted him. And I think the players like if that like if they start out slow against Indiana, that's gonna be happening. You get this boost when Anthony Brown comes in and it's a guy that they're rooting for. Not that they wouldn't root for Tyler Shuck, but I don't. I just think you can't be afraid to mess with the quarterback's confidence, like Tyler Shucks, because there's going to be a quarterback battle next year, anyways. So, kind of like whatever gives you the best chance to win, and they've said that that's been shucked to this point. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah, and then even with Bama a few years ago, you know, you saw two and Hurts. You kind of right, thought right. Tua was going to come in the whole year, but we never really saw him. And then in the biggest game of the season, they bring him in, and he essentially wins them Bombs a the national the championship. Game. So yeah, which is. Which is insane. So not on that level, but it's, it's yeah, 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 yeah. But I mean, I feel like if you can find a spark anyway, you can find a spark in a, in a game. Then that's then of course that's guy that you got to roll with. And Shuck, you know, like you said, just like a little jittery last night. I don't know if that's just something he just needs to get over with, just as with this one game. But um, I guess a quick, I guess a quick, a question for you: Where does Oregon rank tomorrow? Do you, do you think they're a top twenty I, team? Top I don't know. I just, maybe they sneak in the back. I just don't think it really matters. I keep getting asked that question and the rankings mean, I'm just, I'm not a fan of the ranking system. I think the playoff rankings, someone's there, someone always has an issue with it, but then when you ask them how to put together their rankings, they don't know. It's just, it's such a clusterfuck. Um, it really is. Cause if you throw Ohio state in at the, at the four spot and they didn't play. And then you drop these other teams who didn't even play that weekend, who didn't lose games. It's just been really weird. It's just, it's just a, it's just a big pageantry. Um, right. Alabama's of course your top dog. They've played almost every game this whole season. And when they play teams, they, they've killed yeah. teams. Um, Clemson, uh, 
Notre Dame, we're gonna figure that we're gonna figure that out today, and they're essentially gonna both be playoff teams. Is what is what is what I think. Um, and then Ohio State, they're the team that everyone wants to see. Um, they're ranked higher than um, than um, Indiana, even though they've played less games. So that's been kind of fascinating. Yeah, they're but, playing Northwestern as we as we talk. We should mention yeah. we're, we're we're recording this on Saturday, the day after the game. This might not come out for a few days, but that's why we wanted to give kind of a macro view at everything. Yeah. Um, and that's it from us. Uh, as always, make sure to check out our content at dailyemerald.com and the sports section. Also, make sure to follow us on Twitter at ODE Sports. Um, that's it for us, and thanks for listening. Thank you.